0: Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Um, Do keep this
1: book, um, this uh, page open in front of you as we as we begin. And sorry, just get myself set up, I wonder, um, just have a think about how you feel about the idea of growing up, okay? So just as I kind of sort myself out here, just think to yourself, if someone says, you know, it's time to grow up, how do you feel about that? How would that make you feel? I mean, it could make you feel all kinds of different ways. I mean, it could, you could start off by thinking, well, wait a second, I don't, you know, I'm quite grown up already, I don't need to grow up. Um, uh, It could be a sense of excitement, you know, it could be like, Yes, I cannot wait until I no longer have to wear a uniform. I cannot wait until I no longer have to do tests. And if that's what you're thinking, Pathfinders, that moment never comes. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you. You could be looking forward to that and excited by that. It could be that you've had quite enough of being grown up already. Thank you very much. The responsibility you have, the, um, the mortgage to pay, the, the bills to cover. And you could have that sense of like, yeah, it's great, but also there's this kind of burden about growing up as well. I remember a moment that sort of captured some of this tension for me when I first started work. My very first job, even with the kind of little wages I earned at the time, I remember going into Tesco's. And um, having the sense, first of all, okay, like I'm grown up now, I have to kind of organize what I eat. And that sense of responsibility. But at the very same time, you know how you go in and there's the sweets? I thought to myself, I can buy literally any of these I want. So in that moment, I was both grown up, I think I still had quite a bit of growing up to do. I I maybe still feel that pang whenever I walk past the sweets aisle. Um, which is maybe why Mary needs to be in charge of the shopping more than me. But we, we have that sort of tension, and um, and we kind of know that in serious ways and in silly ways as well. But there's something of that tension that Paul, the writer of these words that we um, are looking at this morning, that he's writing into, because he's speaking into this tension. He's just in chapter 4 of Ephesians. He's He's raising that question of are we going to grow up or are we going to go back? We're going to grow up or, or, or go back, and in chapter four, he's he's um, just shown them what it will look like to grow up. Halfway through chapter four, he he's called them just at the bit before James read in in verse sixteen. He he had this image of us growing up together, both as individuals and together as Christians, but so much better than anything we might look forward to or associate with with growing up. He says, as Christians, we get to grow up. To know Jesus, we get to grow up to be like Jesus, and as he's holding for them this call to kind of grow up, it seems like some in the church are feeling the tug of the way things were, and so as people as he's writing into this tension of people feeling that that maybe excitement about possibly growing up, that tension about maybe not really wanting to, or even having the sense of wondering if they really need to, Paul writes to them and says, don't go back, don't go back. Instead, grow up. And as he calls them to grow up, he says, look at the change brought by Jesus and live out the change brought by Jesus. Those are the two things he shows us over the two parts that we're looking at this morning. In the first um, first of those verse 17 to 24, he says, look at the change brought by Jesus. So let's take a look at that at, at that first bit of what was read to us just now. If you've um, lost your pace, place, page 1176 in the Bibles that are somewhere um, near you. He, he calls them to look at the change brought by Jesus, to look at what they were and now look at how they've been changed as they've encountered Jesus in the preaching of the gospel, in the message that they've heard. Because it seems like some have felt... Seem to feel a little bit nostalgic. Maybe they're looking back with rose-tinted spectacles, a little bit like the way you know adults might do as they look at those kind of easy days of being younger. Paul says to them, Grow up, don't go back. He reminds them of the truth, the truth of what they were. And you see that description in verses 17 to 19. So, so verse um verse 16, we we, we have the call to grow up just look at the bit before that was read as God works among us makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love there's that call to grow up in verse 16 and then 17 he says now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futilities of their minds he says grow up 16 don't go back in verse 17. You know, Gentiles that it's talking about there. That's, um, they're, they're, the whole kind of world that aren't Jews. You've got the Jews and then everybody else, that whole world, everybody else are the Gentiles and, and most of this church seem to have been Gentiles. I mean, you'll see in, um, uh, the way Paul refers to them in 2, chapter 11, if you flick back to the page, he says, therefore, that uh, at one time, you Gentiles, so he's talking to a church that are this group of people that are Gentiles, or 3, chapter 1, he says, uh, "I'm I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He's saying, this is the people that you are from, but this is a people to whom you no longer belong. You are from them but you no longer belong to them. He said, don't live like that world. Don't live like the world around you because that life of the world around you is a life that's just a lie. You know, Look at how he describes it in verse 18 and 19. Look at the description. He says, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God due to their hardness of hearts. You, you, you could track that back and go, they have hearts turned from God and so they have minds that are closed to God which means they live a life away from God or he sums it up in verse 19 they have become callous given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity they're hardened against God they're hungry for sin now that description that may not be the way the world looks to you it may not be the way the world feels to you but it is the heart of how the world lives hearts turned from God hearts that are hungry for sin this is not a description of how all, everyone always obviously acts but it is the truth Of who they are and what we were when we belonged and walked with that world. And so as Paul calls us, as he called the church then, as he calls us as a church now to to grow up, he warns them, don't go back. You might feel nostalgic for the old days. You might look back fondly to old ways. But he says, look at the reality of what those ways were of what that life is, hearts hardened against God, hearts hungry for sin. Sort of lines remind me of a a moment in um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I don't know if you know it, where you meet a character called um, uh, Eustace, Who's, who's kind of a bit selfish and greedy and kind of looks down on the others. And there's a moment when they're on this aisle, this kind of enchanted aisle, and he discovers a hoard of dragon treasure. And one of the treasures that he finds and grabs is he slips on a bracelet. And after slipping on this kind of bracelet that goes on his arm, he, he falls asleep. And as he goes, he, he falls asleep. But then when he wakes up, he's thirsty, he's sore, he goes to a pool for a drink. And, and, and he fears, as he goes to this pool for a drink, that a dragon has followed him. But then he finds something even worse. Just listen um, to this description. As he bent towards the water, he thought for a second that another dragon was staring up at him out of the pool. But in an instant, he realized the truth. The dragon face in the pool was his own reflection. There was no doubt of it. It moved as he moved. It opened and shut his mouth as he opened and shut his. He had turned into a dragon while he was asleep. Sleeping on a dragon's hoard with greedy dragonish thoughts in his heart, he had become a dragon himself. That Explained everything as for the pain in his arm or what had been his arm He could now see what had happened with the squinting of his eye the bracelet that had fitted nicely on his arm Was now too small for the thick stumpy foreleg of a dragon it had sunk deeply into his scaly flesh There was a throbbing bulge on either side of it He tore at the place with his dragon's teeth, but could not get it off in spite of the pain There was almost a sense of relief, he was a terror to himself, but at the same time he realized that he was a monster cut off from the whole human race, an appalling loneliness came over him, and when he thought of this, the poor dragon that had been Eustace lifted up its voice and wept, a powerful dragon crying its eyes out under the moon in a deserted valley as a sight and a sound hardly to be imagined." These verses that we open and see before us in the Bible are a bit like that pool that was before Eustace. We might look into them and think they describe another, but they describe the truth of a life apart from Jesus. They show us the reality of what we were. So when we feel that tug to go back, when we feel that tug to go back to old ways, it's often because we think it's not that bad, it's not so different. We like the way the world lives. We live the way the world lives. But Paul says, look at what you were hearts hardened minds closed a life cut off hardened against god hungry for sin you can't live like the dragon you can't love like the dragon without being a dragon and so paul says that is what you were But that is not now in Jesus, if you've trusted Jesus, that is not now who you are because you've been changed by Jesus. And so having looked at who you were, now look at who you are, look at that change in you. Verses 20 to 21 um, describe an encounter with Jesus, this encounter that changes everything. So verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught about him as the truth is in Christ. He he, he says, as you heard the gospel, as that fun, that interesting phrase, as you learned Christ, not learned about Christ, you learned Christ. The truth is in Jesus. You didn't just learn about Jesus. You got to know Jesus. You didn't just learn the truth about him, you found the truth in him. To believe in Jesus is to commit to a person and that person leaves us totally transformed. And if verses 20 and 21 describe that encounter with Jesus. Verses 22 to 24 describe the way that encounter changes and transforms us. The old life is stripped away in verse 22. A new life, if we jump to 24, a new and true self is put on in its place because in between so 22 we have the old life stripped away 24 we have this new life given to us because in between in 23 well the heart of who we are is renewed and transformed be renewed in the spirit of your minds the heart of who we are is renewed and transformed Jesus meets us as we are in verses 20 to 21 but he does not leave us as we are in verses 22 to 24. Jesus calls us to put off the old self, to put on a new and true self as our hearts are drawn more and more to him. Again it's a bit like what happens to Eustace after he kind of is in this sort of agony of loneliness of being cut off from life. As a dragon, he, he, he begins thinking that the life he has is a sort of living death. And the bracelet that sort of it was this one, wasn't it? The bracelet that sort of digs into him is this kind of painful reminder of his bondage to being a dragon. But in his misery, he has an encounter that leaves him totally transformed. Listen how Eustace describes that encounter to, um, to his friend Edmund. So Edmund says, okay, tell me what happened. And Eustace says, well, I I looked up and saw the very last thing I expected, a huge lion coming towards me. And one thing was, there was no moon last night, but there was moonlight where the lion was. It came nearer and nearer. I was terribly afraid of it. You may think that being a dragon, I could have knocked any lion easily enough, but it wasn't that kind of fear. I wasn't afraid of it eating me. I was just afraid of it, if you can understand it told me to follow it. And it led me to a garden. And in the middle of that garden, there was a well. And the water in that well was as clear as anything. And I thought if I could get in there and bathe, it would ease the pain in my leg where the bracelet is. But the lion told me that my dragon skin would need to come off first. So I started scratching myself. My scales began coming off all over the place and then I scratched a little deeper and instead of just scales coming off here and there, my whole skin started peeling off beautifully like it does after an illness or as if I was a banana. In a minute or two, I just stepped out of it and I could see it there beside me looking rather nasty. It was a most lovely feeling. So I started to go down to the well for a bathe, but as I put my feet into the water, I looked down, and they were all hard and rough and wrinkly and scaling as before. Oh, that's all right, I thought. It means I just have another suit on under the first one. I'll just have to get out of that. So I scratched and tore again, and it came off, and I stepped out and left it lying, but then the same thing happened again. And I thought to myself, how many skins have I got to take off? I was longing to bathe my leg, so I scratched off for a third time. But again, as I looked at the water, I knew it had been no good. And then the lion said, I don't know how it spoke, it said, you will have to let me take this skin from you. I was afraid of its claws, I can tell you. I was pretty desperate now, so I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurts worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peeled off. You know, if you've ever picked a scab off a sore place, it hurts like bilio, but it can be such fun to see it coming away. I know exactly what you mean, said Edmund. But well, when he peeled the beastly stuff off, there it was, lying on the grass, so much thicker and darker than it had ever been. And there I was, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch, and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. And after that, it became perfectly delicious. As I was swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And I saw why I'd turned into a boy again. Kind of see the kind of image of, of Eustace now with, with his fellow Narnians, kind of lords and ladies of Narnia. I find that description so powerful because it really resonates with, with, with our experience and the truth that's preached to us in, in these verses. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he meets us as we are, but he does not leave us as we are. The process may be painful, like picking off a scab, but it is beautiful. As Jesus strips off The hardened sin that scabs over our hearts. He then wraps us in the soft skin of who God made us to be. He gives us hearts that are drawn evermore to him. And that is what it is to be a Christian. Meeting Jesus, knowing Jesus, that's not a set of ideas to add into my life not a new set of habits to work into my life instead it is a new life given by jesus lived for jesus like eustace it's a new life lived sickened by the dragon's skin and delighting in a new life a true life As that boy that God, or or girl, or lady, man, that God has made us to be. And so these verses show us what we were. These verses show us who we are. And they say, look at that change brought lovingly, possibly painfully, but gloriously by Jesus. Put off that old life. Put on the new self as our hearts and minds are renewed to know and love Jesus. And so as we see and look at the change that Jesus has brought us, we're called then to live that out. The change that we look at in 17 to 24, now more briefly we can see lived out in 25 to 32. In 17 to 24 there was a pattern of putting off and putting on as our minds were renewed. And in the same way in 25 to 32, we put that in practice to practice in different areas of life. Five times in 25 to 32, we're told don't do because. There's that pattern that goes through it. Put off, put on by the renewing of your mind. So I've got a volunteer just to help us picture this, um, just for this final part of our time this morning. this is Ephraim, the Ephesian, okay? But it could just as well be Bob the Bromlian. Forgive me if your name is either Bob or Ephraim, or indeed both, I'm not trying to get at you. Um, and there's this description here of, of how Jesus finds us. And you could trace through the verses, you could see this is, this is a life lived uh, uh, with falsehood, a life lived with sinful anger, A life lived um, uh, stealing and and, and dishonesty, Um, a life lived with corrupting talks, if you can just track these and spot these in the verses as I stick them up, and a life lived in bitterness and malice. And we might look at those, we might look at those in the verses 25 to 32, we might look at those up here and see. What kind of church is Paul writing to? And I think we'd have to be honest and recognize a church just like us. Because Paul invites us to see ourselves in these verses. And I have to say, if you struggle to see yourselves in these verses, maybe ask yourself, "Well, what does my phone think I'm like? Yeah, if someone would just to look at my phone. What would they think I'm like? Just, just from my phone, would they see lies that I've written? Or that I'm joining in with and gossip? Would they see sinful anger at the stuff I like or track or follow or join in with online? Would they see me, what am they watching me stream illegally? What are they seeing me write or say? Could be worth asking, what would my phone, how would my phone describe me? And Paul shows us that. This is how Jesus encounters us. This is how we come to Jesus. But Jesus, as we come to Jesus, transforms us. He doesn't um, leave us as we are. So we could find in verse 25, we put off lying. And instead of lying, you'll see in verse 25, there's the truth we could um we could look at verse 26 and 27 verse 26 and 27 it's not commanding us to be angry just have a look it says be angry and do not sin it's not saying hey everybody get angry no it's saying it'll recognize us that there will be anger and that there is a place for a, a righteous anger at times um but but the wrong place for anger is the place it has when it's controlling our hearts so verse 26 is not saying be angry, but it's saying when you're angry, don't sin. In those times when you're angry, don't sin. You could think of, um, of anger a bit like the compost bin in your kitchen. Okay, anger a bit like a compost bin in a kitchen. It's sort of um, It might serve a purpose in the right place for a very short time. But when it's left in the wrong place or left for too long it ends up as a horrible stinking mess. So Paul is saying, don't give space to sinful anger. Don't let righteous anger rot into something sinful. Take control of it. Or instead of stealing to have, oops, what we want, saying be generous to give so that others can have what they need, work, Hard so that we can serve and give to others what they need. Instead of words that break people down. We have words that give grace and build people up. Instead of words and attitudes that break relationships apart. Putting on forgiveness. The forgiveness that God showed us. I can see in each of those moments that putting off... And the putting on every part of our lives is changed in every way. Every part is changed in every way. What we say, what we do, even how we feel or what we might think. Our words, actions, our attitudes, they're to be stripped of sin and clothed in the life of Jesus. But did you notice, woven all the way through, that this putting off and putting on happens as our minds are transformed through the renewing of our minds. In each of these, there's a don't, but do because because so we could um, track that in the verses we could see the way in verse 25 as we see that other members of the church family are not just other people in the church family they are like members of my own body just as I don't lie to myself I won't lie to others as I see that others in verse 25 are members one with another or in the same way my emotions as I think about anger My emotions are not just my emotions, but they are a place where the devil, in verses 26 to 27, the devil wants to sneak in to break apart relationships between each other and our relationship with God. Yeah, others in church are not just others in church. My emotions are not just my emotions. My words, in 28 to 30, they're not just. My words, verse twenty. Um, sorry, verse twenty-nine to um, to thirty. This this corrupting talk, these these rotten words. They could either give grace at the end of verse twenty-nine, or they can grieve the Holy Spirit in verse thirty as they divide us, as they break up the love that the Holy Spirit seeks to grow among us. verse 31 to 32 my attitude to others my feelings are not just my feelings they're not just the way i am they express what i have understood of god's grace his love and forgiveness in jesus it's a lot to take in so let's just take a moment to pause right now just before we finish just pause and take a look at this call maybe up here or even better in these verses, verses 25 to 32, and scan through those verses and think, what most would I like Jesus, like Aslan, to strip from me? Where do I most see the scaly dragon skin hardening around my heart? Possibly temptation to lie, anger, the temptation, verse 28, to get the easy way out and not serve others. Verse 29, the words I say, just take a look, I'll just be, Quiet for 20 seconds. Just take a look. Think, what change would I love to see? What change seems hard to imagine? And then think, zero in on one thing, and maybe you could share it with someone um, as you chat over coffee. There's just 20 seconds now to look through those verses. It can be hard to take in, and it can be hard to take in, because so often we feel so attached to old ways. We feel attached to old ways, and we feel so far from change. But like Eustace, stuck in the dragon's skin, you know, like Eustace, we might feel, I've tried this process of peeling off before, I've tried to make those changes before. But like Eustace, that change will only happen as that change is worked in us by Jesus. As we come to him and he works in us to transform our minds. Because when that change happens, like it was for Eustace, we can see the beautiful change. The wonderful change for what it is as we become who God is longs and has made us to be as we look at these verses we hear the call to grow up to grow up and not to go back we might be those who think I don't need to grow up but if we're honest with ourselves and let these words um, speak the truth of who we are then we can see all of us need to hear that call to grow up and when we feel tugged and nostalgic for the old days and the old ways we need to see the truth of who we were and we need to see that glorious picture of who we are in Jesus and let the truth of Jesus renew our minds Look at the change brought by him so that we can live out the change brought by him. And this week and the week ahead, live out that truth and that change together as we grow up together in our lives. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much that we are those who have learned Christ. We are those who have been taught about Christ. Thank you that the truth is in Jesus. And so we pray, Father, that as we hear that truth of Jesus, as we discover more of the truth in Jesus, that our minds might be renewed by Jesus and that he might strip away that former manner of life and give us that new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness for our blessing and your glory. Amen.